Hello everybody and we're back with Beyond the Textbook and today I have with us our wonderful teacher Elena and I want Elena to introduce herself to you. Tell us about yourself Elena. Hi my name is Elena and I'm originally from Belarus. I'm here in Malaysia right now. I've been here for about four years on and off. I'm teaching English and at the same time I'm doing my PhD over here and I've got to say that I love Malaysia. That was not my first impression but I really like it now for many reasons and uh, I do enjoy the weather and uh, it's easy to travel around and there are a number of public holidays which give you this opportunity. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And coming from Belarus, I guess the weather would be a big factor here as a positive Thing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's good to have winter every now and then, but yeah. when you have it three months in a row, and these days due to climate crisis, the winter has turned into something totally weird. It's not spring, it's not autumn. Yeah, it would rain most of the time instead uh, of snowing. Mm. So, yeah. Okay, so let's start. Now, our topic today is the pros and cons of learning English in a foreign country. And... Elena here has got some interesting uh, perspectives, but uh, let's start off with some of the, what you would consider the pros of learning English in a foreign country. Right, absolutely. So I'd say that there are so many different advantages of learning English in a foreign country. First of all, I'd say you get exposed to different cultures and uh, that gives you a lot of different perspectives on your own culture and how other people live. Now, when it comes to learning English in a foreign country, it depends on which country you're talking about. I mean, if you're going to um, somewhere like the U.S., where there are native speakers, and of course that gives you huge benefit of being embroiled in all this uh, English-speaking environment and American accent. But at the same time, if you're looking at uh, a country like Malaysia, for example, here English is not it's spoken, obviously, but it's not the first language. And uh, you also get exposed to other languages at the same time. And the uh, advantage of this is that you kind of push yourself to speaking more of uh, another language rather than your own only. So that would be probably the first one, exposure to foreign culture. And uh, at the same time, you know, you, you have these different opportunities to use the language that you have learned until now. Uh, whereas when you're in your own country, you're always kind of, you know, triggered to, to use your own language. And if you, if you are in a, in a classroom and you tend to ask the teacher uh, in your own language, you know, since you don't understand. But here you don't have this opportunity. I, I think that's a very good point because um, I know uh, we get a lot of students who do study in their own country in the beginning. And then they end up here in Malaysia. And the number one thing they say is... In my own country, I have no speaking opportunities. I can learn the grammar, I can write perfect grammatical essays, right. but my speaking is very poor because I can't, I can't uh, communicate on a daily, everyday basis. Right, and this yeah. is what I often highlight to my students. I say, even the fact that you have other people from your own country do not use it as uh, an opportunity to speak your language again. You've just come from the place where you spoke your language consistently. So use it as an opportunity to, to practice what you've learned in class and ask questions 
just basic things. Shall we go out or something? But say it in English. And uh, I consistently say that to them because otherwise, in the classroom, I would normally have a rule: no other language but English. Whether you're in class asking a teacher or you are talking between each other and uh, during the break, doesn't matter. Once you come here, it's only English. And I've pushed them to do this. And I've noticed that those students who actually have, I've had quite a few who would just refuse to answer to uh, whatever the question, you know, if their friends ask them something in their language, they would refuse to answer because I want to speak English, they would that's say. That's great. That's really good. Yeah. And that's that's a habit, really, that they that's have to habit. get and to yeah. write from the start. Um, they're pa- they, you know, they're paying he- to, to come here and learn English. Why not maximize it, you know, um, in every way they can? Absolutely. Might yeah. as well just use it to the fullest. Yeah. yeah. Not just uh, by uh, by doing the things that you would do anyway in your country, like watching videos or, or listening mm. to podcasts or mm. so many other things. Here you have this live mm. conversation. It doesn't mm. matter that they're not native speakers, like yeah. your classmates. Mm. It, it doesn't mean that when you leave the school, you will be talking only to native speakers mm. you and, might get a job with and know. i think that comes down to that 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 other which i think perhaps indirectly is what you're saying about the uh the different culture you know because when you grow up in your own country you have certain things you do on a daily basis that are just part of your culture but when mm. you come to another country you're automatically or not particularly another culture uh a country with a completely different culture you're completely thrown out of your comfort zone into a whole other culture right uh, which is forcing you to not only change your language but change your behavior change your approach you 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 are really forced to make a lot of changes uh other that you probably wouldn't make ordinarily in your own country. Right, right. And uh, it actually teaches you so much to uh, to learn how you can be flexible and more independent. Well, that's another thing, but at least flexibility. Of course, the first thing, like, for example, coming to Malaysia, there could be culture shock. Even uh, students we have mainly come from uh, the Middle East, and uh, yes, those are Muslim countries in Malaysia as well, but at the same time here they are suddenly exposed to so many other cultures, and there are the Chinese and the Indian and and so many foreigners, and obviously some things are not as strict as in their country, and that's where they, they learn more, they become more open-minded, and I've noticed also in, in the classroom uh, with higher levels, we would talk about it, like uh, asking them some not really provocative questions, but at least something that would, you know, maybe I wouldn't ask if I were in their country. Here, I dare to ask, and they surprisingly just, you know, show me how open-minded they get. And yeah, I agree, teacher. That could be this, but no, uh, we prefer to do it in, in another way. Like I would, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I think that's a really interesting point because. Um, when you when you're in your own country, particularly if it's a very monocultural country, meaning it's, there's only that language, there's only those traditions, and I'm thinking of like perhaps Saudi Arabia, Somalia, some of those countries where you really don't find any diversity within your own country. To come to right. a country, yes, there is a huge shift in in mind. And mm-hmm. I know there are some come here particularly, they've never seen a girl who's un, 
uncovered, exactly. you know, who's not, doesn't wear hijab. Exactly. So their eyes are like, wow, look at this, oh, it's wrong, you know. And then Absolutely. after a while they realize, hey, the world is a very diverse place. And mm -hmm. like you say, when you get to the higher levels, you can actually start having conversations about diversity, about how, you know, what what's your opinion on this and this. And of course, they still can sustain their, their traditional beliefs, but at least they're mm -hmm. exposed to possibilities of alternative ways of thinking and so on, which then leads them into having something to say in English. Right. Because... This is what I noticed myself at the lower levels. A lot of them, okay, they've come fresh out of their country. They can tell you all about their country. They can, they can kind of uh, regurgitate the same old thing. And I'm sure as a teacher, you know, like me, right, you hear the right. same thing over and over again. <laughs> over it is fine. Again. You know, that's good. Um, but there's a certain point where your personality has to come out. Your opinions have to come out. And when somebody learns something for the first time that's quite mind-blowing, they usually like to talk about it. Right, right. You know, yeah. I've uh, I've had this experience as um, as a teacher and also as a vegan. Ah, uh, yes. Higher level, especially, I would bring it up. I mean, I'd bring it up anyway. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. um, they would often ask me a question, of course, why and this and that. And when they reach the point, the level when they can actually express more. They would say, well, in uh, our religion, you have to eat uh, meat, for example. And that made me very curious. Is it really so? Does it really say that? So at some point, I actually read, I read part of the, uh, of the Quran where it says about it. And it says it's allowed. Uh, it's lawful. It's a particular word. It's lawful. Uh, and you mean it's is, lawful to eat meat or yes, not eat meat? It is. Yeah. So basically, it's allowed to eat meat. It's yeah. not prohibited. Yeah. But nowhere it says you have to. And this yes. was actually interesting. Um, I think it was uh, pre-intermediate three level or, yeah, most likely because we focused on the modal verbs there, ah, uh, such as yeah. modal and then the, uh, the form have to. And then, you know, the difference, mustn't and don't have to. Yes. Must and have to. Yeah. And I would bring this question yeah. up. So do you really have to or you don't yeah. have to? Yeah. And uh, so they feel more comfortable talking about it because, first of all, you are surrounded by not just, you know, uh, people coming from the same uh, culture or country. There is me who is completely from different culture and they're also... if we get lucky there are so many other people from other countries yeah. and the classroom and uh, they kind of see how differently people look at other things and in some cases some things wouldn't even come to their mind really can you really do that exactly and that's something and and, and, and often I know exactly what you say um, they, particularly in Islamic uh, world mm -hmm. if something is out of their tradition like yeah. being a vegan yeah, yeah and they've never ever heard of that word before right. then for them it's haram yes means it, it must be it must be wrong and then it's like well actually no right it's just different right yeah. absolutely they just yeah. immediately put this wall yeah and they refuse to look beyond it yeah but then when you you know kind of engage them more into the conversation mm -hmm. and then yeah, right. I see your point. And mm. they, they kind of, some things that would have probably never have happened in their country. Yes. Ever. Yes. But here, wait a minute. Yes. And there was the student who, who was 
really good at English. I mean, he was in pre intermediate three, but he could score probably all eight or nine in IELTS already. Wow. I don't even know why he decided to start at pre intermediate three. But anyway, um, I asked him, would you mind finding some of the extracts uh, where it says it's, it talks about meat? And it, and it made him interested in that because he never thought about it in mm. this way. Okay, yeah, I know it talks about it, but I don't know what exactly. So the next day he came, he brought me all these extracts and okay, here is where you can find. Mm. And he got so excited. I'm not mm. saying that he became vegan, no, but mm. he was uh, very open to this yeah. idea and he was open-mindedly discussing with other students. Yes. And it practiced so much uh, their vocabulary, like I said, in terms of grammar. Ultimately, Models. that's what it is, isn't it? Yeah. It's getting people talking yeah, 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 and yeah. using English and through the exposure of whole different yeah. ideas. And when yeah. they get excited, and I feel I see that they want to express so much, and then, mm. oh, what is this word? Like, it's okay, just say it in plain, basic words. When I get their idea, I get the word, I write it down, this is what you wanted to say. And because yeah. they're so excited about this topic, they pick up those words That's so right. fast. And That's right, because they want to be clear. Yes. You know, they have an idea, and then when you as a teacher, okay, this is actually the correct modal verb to use, or this is the correct mm -hmm. way to say it in English, that helps them right. to, to improve their English, but also improve their communication and know that what they're saying is 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 true to what they believe. Yeah, yeah to yeah. what they believe and that yeah. drives me, it drives them even more. Yeah. And this is basically all this huge advantage of being exposed to diversity. Exactly, yeah. And so what about some of the uh, some of the the disadvantages, would you say, the cons of, of studying in a foreign land, what would you say? Right, well they're just like anything else would have both sides positive and negative. So mm. here I'd say things like feeling homesick. Yeah. For them, especially when you go um, to learn English and you're just you have just finished your high school and uh, all your life you spent you know with your family, and then you're suddenly exposed to what we just have talked about. But you are basically alone on your own. Well, some of them do have their sisters, some siblings here with them, but. At the same time, feeling homesick, um, I don't have that pattern, but definitely a few students sometimes would feel really down in the yeah. classroom. And uh, when you ask, it was interesting because yesterday it was um, in the intermediate, intermediate level, there was a phrase. Um, so if you don't feel like talking about it, if it feels personal to you, how would you say it in English politely? So yeah. the phrase was, um, I'm sorry, I'd rather not talk about it. Yeah. So, and uh, we, uh, I asked them, do you often feel when you want to say something like this? And of course, you know, yeah, yeah, we do. And what do you say? Before introducing this phrase, they would say, oh, none of your business. <laughs> Come on, you don't say that. No. I mean, yeah. they wouldn't say that to me, but this is how they would respond. Normally, yes, I said, yes, well, this yes. is quite rude. Yeah. And, um, and then one of them uh, gave me this example that, yeah, teacher, sometimes I don't feel really good. I miss my family, especially if they have their kids, uh, their wife back there. And uh, yeah, and uh, when the teacher or someone asks them what's going on and they don't really feel like talking about it because if, if you're especially maybe in your 20s or 30s maybe it feels kind of awkward in a yeah. way that I miss my family I'm yeah. not a child or something but yeah so he gave me this example so homesickness for sure 
uh, feeling lonely, even though you're surrounded. Depends how you know, mm. extrovert or introvert you are. Exactly. If you're yeah. not exposed to so many different cultures or even language, the way they, they, were, uh, they were taught, not necessarily language, but the way their teacher was, the one who also comes from their own country. And here I am from Belarus and I'm probably more maybe extrovert in some areas and I'm more open-minded and then some things I would ask them directly, whether they would probably never ask. Mm. Um, but in, uh, in a way they, you know, they see this diversity and uh, at the same time it, it can be overwhelming. Yes, and they may yes. shut down, you know, in a way mm. within themselves. So mm. it's one thing in terms of feelings and, um, of course, culture shock. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's great to be um, submerged in cultural difference, but then there's a point where it becomes shock. Yeah. And that yeah. can be, that can make them shut down yeah. also. When it yeah. comes to um, our students here, they, for them, it's kind of easier compared if they come to Malaysia or to learn English or they go to Australia, for example, to learn English. So here they find number of mosques, yeah. Uh, they find this similar food and similarities in culture, even though it can be a little bit, you know, less strict in some ways. But at the same time, you know, they they see all other things that are happening and they see clubs or they see bars and a bunch of restaurants with so many different kinds of cuisine. Mm. And uh, yeah, it can be shocking in a way, mm. but at least not as much as it would be somewhere, let's say in Australia or the US where yes. they won't find that many similarities between yeah. their culture. Yeah. So yeah. it takes time, but mm. I'm pretty sure that most of them who Again, uh, the the final level levels. I would ask them how have you mm. found mm. Uh, it useful to be mm. here or maybe enriching in some ways. And yes, it's not like they have changed their minds or anything, but they have broadened their horizons. And, and it's a, yeah, there's a there's a, there's a huge uh, learning curve. I mean, I, I think to myself all the time when we see eighteen year olds in the class, and I mm -hmm. think about myself when I was eighteen being thrust into another land mm -hmm. um i was so young and yeah. i mean like you say fortunately some of them have family members here or friends or cousins whatever but there are some that don't they right. get on a plane first time ever in their life they have a passport they get on a plane yeah. Yeah. and they can't just fly directly sometimes they have to go through mm -hmm. dubai they have to come through doha or, or some other place before they get here, they've got to navigate their way through a total state-of-the-art international airport that's got different gates and different uh, transit parts mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. all in English. And yeah. somehow they have to... <laughs> I, I'm just absolutely blown away. There's one little short story I want to tell you about this that uh -huh. happened to, to my husband and I. We were in, um, we were in Dubai waiting, actually, to, to catch a plane. And... Um, uh, my husband is a Somali, so mm -hmm. um, he was. Uh, we were just walking along. We were there for like about four hours layover, and there was one boy who, first of all, was a Somali boy. He was sleeping uh, under one of the chairs oh, uh, no. in the in the area there, and so so Hassan went up to him because he was Somali, the boy, and he said, are you okay? And he said, yeah, this is in Somali language. He said, yeah, yeah. He said, um, but I'm, I'm a bit lost. Uh -huh. And he said, well, I'll tell you, you're in Dubai. You're in the international airport. And the guy said, yeah, but I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Anyway, he said, Hassan said, so what is it 
you know, can I help you? Let me help right. you. And the boy said, <laughs> the boy said, um, I've got, I've got an approval letter to study in Malaysia at Elite Language Center. Oh my, <laughs> and you were there yeah. just to And they told me I can't fly through Qatar Airways or something. And Hassan said, what? That's us. That's who we are. Unbelievable. So he helped them out and he took them to the Qatar Airways. They sorted out the problem. He put them on the plane and he ended up coming back, coming to here in Malaysia <laughs> and he got picked up. I mean, the, that's a true story that, wow. that happened. So What a coincidence. But yeah, this yeah. the the airport thing, when they just first face all this English environment, in some cases, English environment. I remember... Uh, my mom, who doesn't speak English, and uh, when she came to visit me in Malaysia a couple of years ago, I taught her basic phrases um, online, and when we talked to her, I wrote down for her with the Russian transcription in a way so she could read. And no matter how many times I would practice this with her, she got lost at the airport just because mm. she was also overwhelmed by the number yeah. of people, by all this foreign language in front of them. So that's what happens just there, not to mention when they come to the country. Mm. And then they have to actually start studying and they have to get back to their uh, being productive mode yeah. at the same time yeah. facing this. And of course, language barriers, that would be uh, also another yeah. disadvantage, which at the same time turns into advantage. Yes, you do have language barriers at first. Mm. You may not understand, but... Uh, through even these mistakes that you're making, next time you'll probably know how to ask this question and yes. you'll feel more comfortable. So yes. through this language barrier, you get to learn maybe a bit painfully, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you, but you get there. How to communicate. Yeah, yeah. So there's plenty of pros and cons to this. Um, I think ultimately, if you can afford it, I think studying in another country right. is, is always a, a better option, as you say, for all the... The fact that you put out of your comfort zone right. uh, mainly yeah. and you do have to get out there and actually study and use your English and, and, and you grow up. I see our students, uh, they come at 18 years old mm -hmm. and then they do like maybe nine months or a year maximum mm -hmm. with us. Mm -hmm. They're off to university and then they always come back four years later after they've finished their degree right. and they're <laughs> kind of... They were boys and now they're grown men, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and their learning curve is huge. Their English has become really amazing. And they're, they're just always so grateful for the experience, actually. Right. So always living in a foreign land and studying English in a foreign land is, is I always think, is a better option. Yeah. But that, that's if you can afford it because it, it is an additional cost. Right. Yeah. Right. But it all pays off eventually. Yeah. If you yeah. if you manage to do it, it yeah. so much pays off. Yeah. Even the fact that further in, uh, uh, in employment, looking for a job, how good it will look on their resume. Yes. Yes. Because they, the potential employer will say, oh, you've studied abroad. You've been exposed to something else. You probably are more open-minded. Yes. Uh, and uh, probably more open to different opportunities yes, and at the yes. same time independence that's yes. where also matters because you if you were abroad studying abroad you probably learned you know it's a huge difference whether you mm. live with your family in mm. your home country and whether you live on your own you you learn how to live on your own you learn how to navigate in the foreign culture and country mm. so that also you know yeah yeah means a lot 
Okay, so we're going to just do one last thing, which I didn't tell you about. Okay, <laughs> what was that? What would that be? Which is that um, what, we st- what we've started to do is we've started to get some feedback from some students mm-hmm. who have a question. All right. And this is a question from someone called Farida. Mm-hmm. She is from Myanmar. All right. And she has a question. Okay. And the question is... Uh, she, she's actually from Myanmar, but she's now living in Australia. So okay. she uh, is, is speak, speaks English to a certain point. But she said, when I'm in Australia, um, I hear a different accent. Right. I hear an Australian accent, and I was taught in a British accent. How do I know which accent to use, and is it important to... to, to mm-hmm. Right. Come to a, is there a right or wrong answer with that? Right. I wouldn't say there is right or wrong answer. In fact, even based on my own experience, because I'm not a native speaker, but mm. I learned English in my con- country, and then I went to the U.S., and it was the first time when I was completely uh, faced with this American accent, very strong American accent. Of course, because I lived there for a year, I... I got used to, and in fact, when I started speaking British English, which I was taught, people wouldn't understand me, and uh-huh. I yes. had no choice. Yes. I yes. had to start speaking. It was easier for me, and in fact, I, I did start to enjoy American English at some point then, mm. and uh, they immediately started to understand me. No mm. more issues. So, another case, I went to Australia, and I did face also a couple of other phrases that I would never, I would have never heard. Mm. And I would say that if you live in Australia, you, one thing you understand what it is about, like what they speak, those uh, kind of particular vocabulary. If it feels right to you, feels comfortable to use it, go mm. ahead and use it. Yeah. But you don't have to push yourself. If you were taught, if you learn and you feel more comfortable expressing yourself in British English or American English, that's wonderful because people will understand you anyway. Yes. But like in my case, I felt I started feeling way more comfortable speaking American English, being in the U.S. at the time when I was in the U.S. And it worked out well. Mm. But probably definitely my advice would be never forcing yourself and um, I have a friend of mine who speaks perfect English but his accent is still Malaysian accent very thick Malaysian accent and no matter how hard he tries to speak with a British accent but it kind of to him it sounds weird and it comes out also weird because it doesn't it's not in sync with yourself yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. I think I think um, um, just thinking about what she, what she said it was um, real I realized what she asked was yes accent but also pronunciation which kind of often often they are very similar mm-hmm. um, so there's some there's some ways you would say in the Australian accent you would pronounce something a certain way in the British accent you would pronounce it in a slightly different way um, but I think you're absolutely right that if you are in that country and you feel comfortable using that accent or that pronunciation go for it um, if you don't mm-hmm. feel comfortable using it, you have to also realize, do they understand you? Right. If you're using a completely different pronunciation of that word, they may not understand you. So you may have to force yourself right. to get comfortable with that. Um, but I think these days, particularly countries like Australia, US, you know, the, the, these worlds are so diverse exactly. that, that for sure, sooner or later, I think you just, if you're in Australia long enough, I'm sure you... 
your accent becomes slightly more right. Australian, I'm yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I just had a friend of mine, Julia, visiting me, if yeah. you remember, uh, yeah. a few months ago. She has lived in Australia, I think, about two years now. Mm. And when she came to visit me, uh, before that, I saw her like two years before. I don't remember. But anyway, I was surprised to hear the way she spoke because it was not like pure Australian, but it was typical Australian accent. Yeah. You know, even the words like foodie, she would say, or, or Barbie, you know, not yeah. barbecue. She yeah, would yeah. give me examples how she went out for a Barbie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, there we go. You've lived there for just a couple of years, but you yeah. have, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because it also, for her, it felt right. She yeah. feels she feels amazing when, you yeah. know, she feels amazed in a way mm. and mm. enjoys it. All right, well, thank you, Elena, and I hope, Farida, if you're listening, which I'm sure you will be, I hope that's uh, (laughs) settled some of your questions about that. And for anybody else out there, if you have a question for us, please email me at info, I-N-F-O, at EliteLC.com, and we will put your question on the next podcast. So thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you, Elena, for coming and giving thank us a very lovely much. experience here. Thank you very much. And All the best. We'll see everybody everyone. again soon. Bye. Bye. Take care. <laughs>